We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's driving jam time! And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Come back, pattern caught! Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Good to be with you on a Thursday night on Sports Open Line. we got some fun tonight. Gonna open up the tax line. Gonna see if there are some things that we can do. Because I want—I know I said yesterday we didn't have enough time to expand on some of the baseball conversation uh, from last night, which was—and I this is from a big Twitter conversation that I had with a bunch of people that brought me to the conclusion that what baseball needs is more diversity in terms of the style, not just style of play but the style of organization that's out there. There just aren't very many that do their own thing. Everybody's the same. Well, we're going to talk a bit about that as we go through this first hour. And if there are things that you would like to see in that uh, 314-436-7900, what would qualify? And don't just text me whitey ball. That's a cop out. I'm talking be specific, like, you know, Offensive philosophy, defensive philosophy. How would you change how you handle pitching? Um, you know, what would your payroll philosophy be? Because keep in mind, we're going to talk about this for a an, a normal kind of like average to above average market team. Where I mean, like anybody can be like, I'm going to be the Dodgers and spend all the monies. Well, you don't have all the monies when you're most teams. So that's what I'm saying. Like, how would you go? Would you be the we're going to go for it and then tear it down. And we're going to go for it and we're going to tear it down. Because you can't be the go for it team all the time unless you're the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox. There's like five teams that have the revenue to go for it all the time. Or you have to have the the crazy owner. And I actually got a, a good tweet to me this morning about that. Like, does this mean that things that the White Sox and Mets have done recently actually are more good for the game? Where Jerry Reinsdorf's like, I'm not getting some smart young manager. I'm getting Tony LaRussa. And obviously Steve Cohen is like, I will buy all the things this off season. <laughs> There's no limit to my spending. Like, yeah, they're a little, those two teams are a little different. I do think by the way, that while it might not end up well for their one loss record, it's good for, for us. It's good to talk about. It's fun. It's interesting. They're not boring. So we'll get into that as we go through today. Um, I want to talk a bit more 
uh, about where we went last night as far as power, because I mentioned this, that, you know, there are more home runs hit now in in 2020 and 2021 than there were at the at the height of the steroid era. And how much of this, you know, so so what I guess my point is that we talked about what's going into that and why and all of that in in the uh, in last night's show briefly. But tonight I wanted to get into part of this, the part where we talk about how there are always natural trends in baseball and that you can tweak some things. But I'm going to ask the question, maybe do we just have to wait? Do we just have to wait until the technology and the hitters have the time to catch up to the pitching? Because technology and training abilities have really changed the dynamic for pitchers. Like, everybody throws hard, right? And everybody has pitches that, um, you know, that tunnel well, that complement each other. Everybody's repertoire is tweaked by technology to make it that much tougher for hitters. I would submit to you that there has never been a time in baseball where being a hitter is harder than it is right now. Yet we're getting more home runs than we ever did before. And, of course, a lot of that is because players are selling out for home runs, which is a bigger thing. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I want to get into opinions. Yes, the topic of opinions. Um, I got into – I shouldn't say got into it. I, I tweeted about this this morning, and there's some back and forth. And I haven't heard from – heard back from some of the dudes who who argued against me. But you might have seen this. I'm going to get into this in the next hour a little bit. Uh, but Jeff Garcia, the former quarterback – I believe on Instagram went after Mina Kimes, obviously from ESPN, because Mina Kimes said that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well this weekend. That's what basically what she said. I'm paraphrasing it, but basically he didn't play well. And Jeff Garcia went on this rant like, huh, what does she know? How many touchdowns has she thrown? Like that kind of thing. And then like, are we still, it's 2020 and we still think this way? Not a, Yes, yes. Part of this is, NFL quarterback guy doesn't like that a girl was criticizing a big, bad football player. I mean, I think there's something to that in this in this message from Garcia. Because, look, I don't recall Jeff Garcia going after Skip Bayless for his stupid opinions or me for my stupid opinions or Stephen A. Smith for his stupid opinions. Uh, last I checked, none of the three of us or Colin Cowherd for his stupid. Like, none of those people out of his listed, me or those, none of them played football. Yet we all have football opinions. Now, if a person wants to disagree with that opinion, like say if Jeff Garcia came in and said, listen, he did not play badly, and here's why. Because this was the play, these were the plays that were called. This was what was being asked of him. He was doing whatever, doing what the coaches asked him to do, whatever. You can make the counter argument. You don't just have to be like, yep, I agree. You can disagree with anybody you want. But if your first reaction is, well, you didn't do this thing, at the highest level that this thing is done, therefore you can't have an opinion. Well, I mean, pro athletes love that one. Mike Matheny liked that one. And and I get it. I understand because there are things that, the like, I'll call us the civilians. There are things that we civilians will not know about that experience. That is an absolute fact. But I think a lot of us, most of us, eh, all of us, are perfectly capable of looking at a, per- a performance and saying, yeah, that wasn't very good. Or, wow, that was amazing. 
Like, you don't have to have been a major league pitcher to see that a guy gave up seven earned runs in two innings and he had a bad day, right? Like, I don't have to have pitched to know that. And again, it leads to a bigger thing that we'll talk about next hour, which is if 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 people can only talk about the things that they've done professionally, then nobody could talk about anything. No professional athlete could have an opinion on a movie. You can't, you can't, you might as well not even vote because you've never been a politician, so you, you can't know what it's like to be in their shoes. It's the dumbest, most basic way of trying to fight rather than actually digging into the meat of the argument and disagreeing because disagreement is a good thing. It's okay. But like dismissal of ideas because you didn't do what I did. Well, great. You know, I'm sure you've said, I didn't like this movie. Well, you never made a movie. Who are you to say? You can't have that opinion. You never made a movie. You never acted in a movie. It's like, it's the dumbest formula. We'll talk a bit about that next hour. Um, some NFL news today, too, with coaches being hired and stuff along those lines. Ben Roethlisberger retiring. And to me, the most unbelievable story in professional sports today. The Arizona Coyotes' current plan for next year, in fact, for the next three to four seasons, is to play in a 5,000-seat college stadium because the stadium they're in now is kicking them out. (laughs) They're kicking them out because they don't pay on time because they've had problems. This is on the league. This is on Gary Bettman. I'm going to tell you, if you can't, if you end up in this spot, if you're the owner of a professional sports franchise and you end up in the position where your only viable choice is to play in a college stadium, and I'm not, Maybe the NFL, you get away with that, right? Because college stadiums are pretty big in, in the college football world. But you're going to play that, but that. My high school team played in arenas that big. If you, got, if you put your team in that position, you should probably lose the team. You are not equipped to own a professional sports franchise. If you mismanage a situation so poorly that you're going to play three to four seasons in a stadium that is one quarter of the size of most NHL arenas. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We're going to start with baseball next up. Okay, so we talked about it last night in generality. I want to get specific tonight. We're going to do a little build your own team. I know this feels like kind of MLB MLB the show because this is basically going to be how I build my team on MLB the show, but I, I do think there's more to it than that. Because obviously it's supposed to, we're, we're we're talking about real life, we're not really doing it, which would be cool, but we're not. But I said there's just too many teams that are similar. Everybody does things the same way. We're all doing thir- the two times through the order thing. We're all you know gonna make. We're all swinging for the fences. Nobody's stealing. We're all gonna shift. Everybody's doing the same thing. It's baseball run by the front office. It's baseball run through the analytics department, which is fine, by the way. I love analytics, and I would have a big analytics department if I owned a team. But I would not do everything the same way that everybody else does. So how would we change some of these things? We're going to get to that coming up next on KMOX. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Awesome to be back with you. Kevin Wheeler with you on Sports Open Line on a Thursday night. So last night I talked about one of the things that bothers me about current Major League Baseball is that the teams are all run too similarly. And I do think that that leads to some of what we are all complaining about, right? We we want to legislate changes in the game to create more action. But the problem isn't necessarily... The rules, (laughs) the problem is philosophy. It's the approach. And again, I'll tip my cap to Derek Gould. He, he, he kind of got my brain going in this direction with a tweet that, that he posted yesterday that was uh, related to what we were talking about. Essentially, he said, you know, if you, if you're trying to solve the problems on the, in terms of style of play, maybe look at what leads to those things. And talking about how, you know, analytics um, are have been used to understand things better and analyze it, but it also is, has made things a lot more about risk management than anything else. Um, and I think that's a good point. He mentioned a few other, you know, style of play things along with that, but it made me think about this idea of, okay, maybe part of the problem that we're seeing is that everything is the same and nothing stands out. And by that, I mean, they're not, teams aren't exactly the same, right? I mean, the Cardinals are a, a great defensive team, for example. The New York Yankees are not. You know, they're, they're, I'm not saying that they do everything the same, but the style of play for a lot of teams is the same. And I think that becomes boring. And when you flash back to the times that people are referring to, people are referring to the 80s, the 90s, uh, the early 2000s, about what you know, why they that this is the these are the time frames that people are flashing back to, and saying the game was better then, and one of the reasons why I think people see it that way is in those times you had different ways that teams were run. So just as an example, when I was a, a kid, and by kid I mean anywhere from eight to fifteen years old, right? So just childhood, you had. 
Whitey Herzog, who had his own very distinct style of running a team, right? We don't need to explain Whitey Ball. You know what it is. Billy Martin had the Yankees, and he jumped around a good bit, and he was there a few times. But there, but Billy Ball was a thing. Aggressive base running, they would move a runner, but Billy Martin had his style of, of running a team. You had Earl Weaver in Baltimore. Earl Weaver was... The, he was a, First of all, he was the platoon king. He loved platoons. He had a bunch of positions all the time where he had guys that were platoon players. And you know what else he loved? He loved switch hitters. Eddie Murray, Ken Singleton, right? So he loved matchups. And he played for power. He, he was all about the three-run homer. He said, nothing better than a three-run homer. And, of course, they had, you know, had good pitching, too. But... There were philosophies. The 82 World Series, Milwaukee Brewers, George Bamberg. I'm sorry, Harvey Keene was the manager. Harvey's Wallbangers. They put together a group of guys that could all hit. They had Ted Simmons and Garmin Thomas and Ben Ogilvy and Cecil Cooper and Paul Molitor and Robin Young. I mean, that was a good lineup, man. If you guys remember back in that time, that lineup was good, like one through eight. So, again, there, there were different styles. And I don't think we have that enough right now. I don't think there are enough different ways of doing things. So if you guys want to chime in on this, the text line's open. Uh, That is 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. What is the strategic element or the style that you would most like to see? Or that you would favor if you were running the show? Because that's kind of the way that I'm looking at this, right? So you can go offensive philosophy, but to me... Philosophy is not just about what you would tell players or teach players, because let's be honest, guys, you're not telling major league players how to hit. You're not. You, you can try it. It will not work. But what you can do, though, is acquire players or develop players that have the skill set that you're looking for. Like, So this is what I do on MLB The Show. What do I like? I like the power. I don't care if he's only got a 50 for his contact skill. I want the 90 power. I don't I love playing with Joey Gallo on MLB the show. Now, part of that is I have the control over what pitch that I swing at, over, you know, like I, I have the control about approach. I know that's not a real thing, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. So if you want to have some fun with this, go ahead. 314-436-7900. Offensively speaking, I don't know that I would do a whole lot different when it comes to offensive approach than what's happening right now. Uh, What's happening right now, guys, is a reaction to what is happening on the pitching and defensive side. Offense in baseball is a reactive position. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, over the years, uh, all the changes in the NFL, NBA, NHL that were designed to create more offense. That's a harder thing to do in baseball because the offense doesn't have the ball. (laughs) You have to, on offense, and to score in baseball, you have to react to what the pitcher and the defense are doing to you. It's It's not an action position. It's a reaction position, which makes offense much more difficult to just legislate in Major League Baseball. You can't say, no more curveballs. I guess you could, but... That would be lame. So offensively, I don't know that there's a whole lot that I would change. Because again, now, now, I would tell you this. I would definitely emphasize this in development and seek this in transactions, free agency trades and stuff. 
I would like to make sure that I have players that at least adjust a little bit with two strikes when there are runners on base, but in particular runners in scoring position. I'm okay with the strikeout with one out and a runner on first base because, you know, that ground out's a double play. I don't want that. I'm okay with guys still selling out of that. Now, you got a runner on second base, runner on third base. That's less acceptable to me. We need to put the ball in play there. We need to try to make something happen. So that's a pretty specific characteristic that I would like to target. It's certainly a specific characteristic that I would focus on developing young players when I drafted them. I don't necessarily need you to have a two-strike approach every time you're in a two-strike count. Let's just fixate on runners in scoring position for that approach. Because if we're doing it, again, if we're doing it with runners on first base, eh, you can ground in a lot of double plays just doing it that way. You're better off swinging for the fences and striking out than hitting into a double play. And I know, I know, well, if you hit the ball, an error can happen. To, yeah, okay, but I mean, it really doesn't happen on a high percentage of a time, and I'm not going to play to that low percentage. Major League players field ground balls and throw them cleanly 99% of the time. I'm not going to play for the 1%. Now, again, you can have that approach, you know, if, if you're the leadoff man in a tie game in the ninth inning. There are, but, but situations matter. But overall, like the basic general philosophy as far as an at-bat goes, I think that that's a reflective of the time. I don't think there's a lot you can change there. You can say all you want, just go the other way. Just go the other way. Yeah, you know, when they're busting you in with 97, good luck going the other way. Good luck to you. Because part of the you know part of the reason that the shift works like it does is that people pitch to the scouting report, and the scouting report dictates how they position you defensively. So unless you've already got a track record of hitting the ball to all fields that forces them to kind of pitch you and play you that way, it's going to be a hard thing because they're going to pitch you to pull if you're a pull hitter. They're going to pitch you. Now, let's, say, let's say you're better oppo. You got the inside out Derek Jeter thing going on. They're going to pitch you and play you that way. That's what makes it tough is they have so much more data at their disposal. Defensively, I wouldn't change a thing from what's happening right now in, in the sport. Like with, you know, understanding tendencies, looking at the data, knowing what players do on certain types of pitches in certain locations. Like we have all this information now that we've never had before. I, you can't you can't fight against that, guys. You can't fight against it. You roll with it. But pitching side, see, the, to me, there are two things here that I think there's room for fun where we can have some different styles of play. And by the way, on, on offense, I forgot this before I move on to the next segment. I would run so much more. I would steal and steal and steal and steal. Now, would I, would I have my crappy base runners stealing? <laughs> no. I'm not an idiot. I mean, I'm a, I am an idiot, but I'm not that stupid. But I'll tell you right now, I, I would absolutely be running more. And yeah, you know what? There's a failure rate. But, you know, look, in the last few years, the, the average, uh, the caught stealing average is, I mean, like, like, I'm sorry, the success rate on stealing bases is still about 75%. What other offensive play succeeds at a 75% rate? Yeah, there isn't one. 
people don't even get bunts down 75% of the time. I would definitely run more than teams do now, a lot more. Because I also think it forces teams to play you defensively in a different way. Well, guess what? Now as an offense, you're taking some of that control back. If I run nonstop, your your shifts have to be less extreme. Otherwise, your guys are going to be out of position. And by the way, by running more, you're going to have to pitch my guys differently. You're not going to be able to keep throwing that slow breaking ball or bouncing pitches in the dirt or whatever. You're going to have to be aware that the guys are going. You're going to have to change your timing. You're going to have to make sure you're going fast. That's where people make mistakes when you change up what they're used to. You put pressure on them that might not otherwise be there. So in that sense, I'm a real big advocate for the running game, but I wouldn't change anything very little about overall offensive approach because I don't think there's another way to go about it in the modern game because of the way that people pitch. Let's get into the pitching and the payroll side of this next because to me, the payroll side is where it gets to be difficult. Like, what do you pay for and what can you not? Because we And we're not going to go in the world where we're the Dodgers or the Yankees because you can do whatever you want when you have their revenue. But we're going to go in those teams that are basically anybody but those teams, <laughs> right? Pretty much everybody from like seventh or eighth in payroll all the way down. What's your philosophy? And basically, it's a simple one is, are you about sustained success, which is the Cardinals? Or are you one of the teams that's going to go, hey, we're close. Let's go all out for a couple years and then we'll back off and, re- and retool. Talk about that next on KMOX. All right, so talking a little bit about styles of play in Major League Baseball. And one of the problems, you know, when we're talking about professional sports as entertainment, which is what professional sports are, right? That's the that's the genre that they belong to. It's entertainment. If if every single song you heard on the radio was exactly the same or was only one style. Like if there was only pop music or only country music or only heavy metal. Now, I'd be okay with that one. But like if there was only one style, I think most of us would be like, well, that ends up being boring. If every single movie was a comic book movie, every single one of them or 95% of them, it would be, look, I like comic book movies, but it would be pretty boring if they were all that. And that's pro- it's part of the problem what happens in sports is that people look at success, and now success is defined in two ways. It's defined by, you know, with financial success, and it's defined with on-the-field success. And when somebody figures out something that works, other teams like to, to jump on that. Well, over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of teams have jumped on And I don't say this in a negative way at all because I would have the biggest, baddest analytics department there is. It's important. But it doesn't mean that everybody should be doing the same thing. And by the way, one thing I'll I'll pay a compliment to, um, to the Cardinals on in this regard, there are things about what they do that are different than other teams. First of all, the Cardinals emphasize defense more than other teams do. But most importantly, more importantly, I should say, maybe not most, but more. They haven't really jumped on the bandwagon with the high four-seam fastball, you know, curveball, swing and miss. We're going to go for strikeouts type pitching. Look at the guys that they've been developing, the guys that they have right now in in terms of starting pitchers. Obviously, that's not been Adam Wainwright, but Waino 
is not a product of this of this current philosophy, right? He's been around since well before that. But Dakota Hudson is not that guy. Miles Michaelis, who they signed back from Korea not that long ago, is not that guy. In fact, he transformed. When he was a younger dude, he was the big strikeout dude, the big velocity guy, but it didn't work for him. So when he went over and played in Korea, he changed and he became more of the strike thrower and the ball, you know, let the ball be put into play and it's led to success. Steven Matz is not the big strikeout guy. Jack Flaherty is. He's he but he's not like the he's not like Steven Strasburg strikeout guy. I mean, he gets them. So he's kind of a blend of the two things. But the Cardinals haven't sold out in player development on throw harder, throw harder, throw harder and th- and go we're going for strikeouts. We're trying to get strikeouts. I know that, that that's not something that teams like to talk about. They don't like to talk about their their strategies when it comes to developing things because they don't want, you know, they're not they're they're not trying to give away, you know, how they do things or what they what what they might be you know looking at in trades or whatever. Matthew Libertor is not that guy. He's not the I throw a hundred and here eat it and hit it. Or hit it and eat it. I don't want to there. And the kid that they drafted this year in the first round, McGreevy, is not that guy. And I'm not it's not to say that they don't have them, right? I mean, Jordan Hicks throws 105. You know, Alex Reyes throws 98. Like, they have those guys. But for starters, they're still more old school. And I like that. I I actually like the difference. They actually have starters that can go six or seven innings on the regular as long as they're pitching well. You know, unless something goes wrong, there's no reason. You're not looking at at Hudson or Flaherty or any of these guys going, yep, two times through the order and that's it. That's not how they were developed. And I like that. I do think that over time it's going to give them an edge. If they can keep people reasonably healthy, which again is something you only control so much. But when I talk about my own pitching philosophy, mine would be kind of a hybrid of what the Cardinals are and what the modern trend is. Like I do want strikeouts, but I want, it's kind of how I talked about the offensive approach, right? I'm not a big fan of, of being the same thing all the time. I'm a big fan of situational, well, any sport, really, situational execution. You know, we can say situational hitting, situational pitching. But in hockey, basketball, football, the situation dictates it. You know, the the story, you know, Bobby Plagers used to talk about it, uh, and I've heard it from him when he was talking to groups of people, or I've heard other people, Chris Kerber, others telling the story too, how Bob Plager would tell when he was coaching, would tell his players, let the scoreboard be your coach. In other words, the situation dictates how you should be playing. And that's how I'm talking about this with both offense and with pitching. On offense, I do need my hitters to have more of a two-strike approach to put the ball in play, but only in one really specific area, and that's with runners in scoring position. If there's a man on first, if there's nobody on, I'm a little less worried about a guy selling out for power and maybe striking out. It's not the end of the world to me. But in those spots where you have runners in scoring position, but in particular in games that are still being contested, you know, a game that's within three or four runs. If you're up seven runs and you want to rip there, all right, fine. I mean, I get it, man. You get paid by home runs. When you drive in runs and hit home runs and slug and all that, you get paid. I want all that. With pitching, I want the same idea, right? For pitching, I want that same idea. I want 
I want to be able to have my guys get the strikeout when the strikeout is necessary, but when it's not, we're not out there trying to throw 105 on every pitch. We're not out there trying to strike out every batter. Some people, and by the way, very small percentage of people, have the ability, the stuff, the stamina and all that to be able to strike people out just by doing what they normally do, right? That's Jacob deGrom. He throws so hard, his stuff is so nasty. I mean, he's going to get it anyway. He's going to get strikeouts one way or the other. Although I would argue that long-term, over 8 to 10 to 12 to 15 years, Jacob deGrom would be better pitching at 97 than he is pitching at 100 all the time. And I think that's part of the problem here is, you know, we've got to – We've got to, to, to me, if I'm putting together a team, I want that guy, I want, even, I want my starters to do this too, to be able to do this too. But we want strikeouts where strikeouts matter. Otherwise, we want the quickest outs we can get. And I, you, know, you, you definitely want to have a good defense. I mean, I think that's just a general assumption. Uh, your priority, you know, certainly you've got to prioritize sometimes between offense and defense. I would lead more towards offense than defense, personally. I mean, the hitting part's the harder part, so I'd rather have those guys. The pitching side, I think, again, we have too much that's kind of all or nothing. I I understand and I accept and I agree with training pitchers to throw harder and to throw harder than they've ever thrown before. Like, I, I think there is value in throwing 100. But you don't need to do it for six innings. And you don't need to do it on every pitch. You know, when Justin Verlander really got good, it was after he learned that. When when Verlander was young, he was really good, but he'd go through ups and downs. And he would, you know, he'd come out of the gate firing, man, first inning, 98, 98, 99, 99, 100. And he could still maintain that for seven or eight innings, but you would have some ups and downs. You wouldn't command the pitches. You would get behind in counts. A lot of foul balls. Well, he learned to pitch, you know, pitch in the 90s, in the mid-90s, and then reach back when you need it. And that's when Verlander ascended and became something more. So, yeah, I I would like less of a one-size-fits-all. Like, I don't need all of my guys going all out all the time. That's how you get hurt, by the way. And pitching philosophy when it comes to development, you know what I'm going to teach my pitchers? I'm going to teach them to throw 190 innings, 200 innings. You're not going to have pitch counts when you're 20 years old. Now, I'm not going to say, like, if you go to 115 one day, yeah, I might cut you back the next day. But we do need to learn to get to 110, 115, 120, and still get people out. You do need that because there are times your bullpen can't do it. There are times when you're the better choice, too. All right, got a couple of texts coming in, 636, 636, 314-436-7900 if you want to chime in on it. I got to get to the payroll philosophy part of this next up, too, on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, a couple other things here. I still got to get to my payroll philosophy. Uh, but I got a couple of texts in here that I wanted to get to. And by the way, anytime that we're doing Sports Open Line, if you hear something you want to jump in on, uh, we're going to go ahead and go 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Uh, and we'll get your thoughts in with all of this. And I, I, I'll get to the payroll philosophy in a second. But I think 
Um, two two texts that just came in in the in the last little bit make a lot of sense. Um, and again, I may not always agree. That doesn't have to be that you know I see things exactly the same way as the texter or whoever I'm having a conversation with on Twitter. But I do think some good points are made. So we got a text from the two five six saying, I just want more situational hitting. I like what LaRusa said to the guys. Out of your 600 ABs, 500 are yours, 100 belong to the team, according to the situation. And I, I, that's, that's it. You, I mean, that's what I just described, I think, when I was talking about the offensive philosophy that I would want to implement for my organization. Um, I, again, by implement, I mean it's going to be a part of player development, and it's going to be the kinds of players that I'm targeting to bring into the team when I have the opportunity to make a change, to promote someone, trade for someone, or sign a free agent. I'm not saying you got to turn into a little small ball or anything like that. I know that's not what you're saying either. But there are times, and it, it's not all the time. It might not even be at that percentage that you reference. I know that was Tony's philosophy, and it's definitely a good way to look at it like visually. It might not be 100, though. It might be 50 for a specific player. It might be 150 for another player, right? Because it changes. But the idea is recognizing where it matters and then adapting to what what needs to happen there. And I, I think that's a good point. Um, it's not easy to do. Nothing's easy. Hitting is hard. But it's not really hard to change your philosophy a little bit in a specific spot. And again, my focus is always runners in scoring position put the ball in play. Don't just do that, right? I mean, you're working the at-bat. You always start the at-bat looking for damage. You're always starting the at-bat looking for the cookie or whatever you think that pitcher's going to throw you based on the scouting report. And, you know, it's different when you're teaching amateur people like I do versus a professional athlete. I mean, they have a whole different set of circumstances to deal with. But, yeah, early in the count, you are looking for your damage pitch. And if you get it, do your damage. But if you don't get it, you have to adapt as it goes because you got to get those runners in. And the more you get those guys in, the more you get the free at-bats later in the game or later in the season. So good stuff. I appreciate the text. Uh, got another one here. The 314 says some nice things about me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, but then I says, I says, I just think baseball has killed itself. Philosophical differences was one poison. Greed is another. Uh, front offices all across America have ruined it. Time to move on. Well, I don't, I don't know that I'm with you on the time to move on part. I do think there is some truth, though, to the other parts where – yeah, you know what? Being efficient, which is what you can do with the analytics, like efficiency and risk management now outweigh competitiveness. I agree. I think that if that's what you're getting at, I think that's 100% a problem. 100% a problem. And that kind of leads me to where I wanted to finish this part of the show and talk about payroll philosophy and where I think it would be fun to have some 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 kind of like again, I, I don't I don't know that I'm, what anything that I'm saying is groundbreaking or brand new. But I think, again, we, 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 we know that owners are businessmen first, and we need to break out of the businessman philosophy. I think you have to run a sports franchise as a break-even proposition if you're going to run well. And that's what I mean about uh, payroll philosophy. I don't think you should own a sports team to make cash profit year in and year out. You're already wealthy. You already have many other business interests. You mean you earned the wealth to purchase a baseball team or you're from a family that had a baseball team in it, but we don't have a lot of those left. I can't even think I mean, how, how many, how many inherited teams are there out there right now? Most of the teams have been purchased by somebody and you, you've had the, 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 the business 
success in other parts of life to allow you to own a team, run the team with competition first and and with a lot less concern about how much money you're bringing home in the at the end of the day. I mean, again, I'm not saying don't make anything because you know where you're going to make your money. You're going to make your money when you sell the team, right? I mean, if you bought a team 20 years ago, <laughs> you're selling it now for $2 billion more than you paid for it. If you buy a team now and sell it 10 years down the road, you're going to make an extra billion. Like, that's where the money is. It's in the long run. And I'm not saying don't make money. I'm saying it shouldn't be the ruling guideline or, or guiding principle. Compete. And by the way, if you compete more, you're going to make more money because your fans are going to be around longer. They're going to be more loyal, and you're going to get the money that way. Hang tight. Got a little bit more baseball later on in the hour, plus some talk about who's allowed to have opinions. That's next on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.